We're in Exodus chapter 12 this morning, and as maybe you're turning there in your Bibles, and if you need a Bible, we always have Bibles available for you that you can take and you can keep, uh, so you can get one on the back table or the side table. We'd love for you to have one. Uh, but as we come to Exodus chapter 12, I want to ask you a question. You can just uh, keep it to yourself, but can you think of that one thing as you maybe have begun to decorate your house or maybe even as we decorate our church, that one thing, that one Christmas decoration that just means so much? Uh, maybe it's something that your mom or your grandma gave you. And as you take that out of the storage box and you unwrap it and you go to maybe put that ornament on the tree or uh, hang that wreath or whatever it is that you have, it's that one thing that really kind of captures Christmas. And it reminds you of something as you take that thing out. It, it really draws your attention back to maybe the time when it was given or maybe the time that you had together with that special individual. Uh, we all have, I think, those things. I know... Uh, something that's special for our family. Uh, my mom is, is one of those creative types. And for years and years and years, she's been making these little ornaments that are made out of half of a walnut shell. And then she molds uh, little characters on the other side of the walnut shell that usually represent some cartoon character or an angel. And she has made one of these little, what she calls nut babies. She's made these nut babies for all the grandkids over all the years. And so now she has hundreds of these nut babies. And if you come to our house, We've got nut babies all over our tree, and I can't help but not only go back to each of those characters because they usually reflect something that each of our kids have enjoyed over that year, but it just reminds me of my mom. You know, I can just, I can picture my mom from years ago just, just working on these things and taking great care over the characters, not because she cared as much about the nut babies, she cared about the grandkids. And so there's just something special. They're, they're, they're a great thing that I love to unwrap and see on the tree. And you probably have those things in your family, in your life. And the reason I want to bring those up is because um, with these things that we have, and we bring them out for a special holiday, these really are something that we call mementos. That's what it is. It's, it's recalling to a memory. It's reminding us of something or somebody great that's happened. And so when we unpack them, they don't have value because maybe how much you bought them for at the store. It's because somebody conveyed love towards you. And you're taking out that memento and you're putting it on your tree. So think of that thing, because as we come to Exodus chapter 12, we're actually going to read about a holiday of the Jews. And there was a lot of things packed into this holiday. We're going to kind of see how they would have decorated, seen how they would have cooked up a holiday meal. And it was all meaning something. And so we want to dig into that just as we're starting to dig into the Christmas time in our own celebrations. Let's look at Exodus chapter 12. Again, this is God going into Egypt and rescuing his people through his servant Moses. All the plagues have been taking place. Nine have taken place so far. One more is promised, and that's the plague of the firstborn in all of Egypt that would be killed. And so when everything's going to be killed, and there's judgment that's coming on Egypt and the enemies... God always in those moments comes to rescue his people. So now we're going to kind of look real quick into this story about how and what his plan is for rescuing his people, Israel. So Exodus chapter 12, verse one says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, and, uh, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each uh, can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. 
you may take it from the sheep or the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. And so God is setting up for them a holiday. And he says this month, Moses and Aaron, this is going to be the first month of your year. The name of that month would have been Abib, Abib, A-B-I-B, Abib. And generally it's in mid-March. And so he says on the 10th day of this first month of the year, I want you to select a lamb for your family. And that family, you're going to keep it with your family for four days. So from the 10th to the 14th, you're getting to know this lamb. It's got to be a year old. It's got to be a male. It can be a sheep or a goat. But you bring that into your family on the 10th. On the 14th, after getting to know that lamb, you're going to kill that lamb. Why? It's your meal. You're going to eat it. This lamb is what's going to be cooked for, for supper. So see what it says in verse 7. You shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. And so the first thing they did when they were preparing this meal, because when you kill something, it's going to be bloody. They would drain the blood out and collect it. And then they would take a special paintbrush. It was made from a plant called hyssop. And this brushy plant, they would dip into the hyssop. And then what they would do, we can even look it over on this door. They would take the hyssop with the blood and they would brush it on the side door frames and over the top. And so what was probably a beautiful door frame suddenly became a bloody mess. It wasn't like you were you were taking painter's tape and make it all pretty. It was meant to convey slaughter. It was meant to show blood. There was something that had been sacrificed, the meal that you're about to eat. And then you take that blood and you put it over the door. And we'll talk about why in a moment. But that's the first thing you did with this lamb that you got to know for the last four days is to take its blood and brush it over the door. Then it says in verse eight, they shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and inner parts. You should let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. So then he goes on and says, this lamb that you've killed, not only has it become this, this uh, blood sign on your door, but now I want you to make a meal out of it. I want you to roast it. Don't eat it raw. I'm for that, not eating raw. Don't eat it boiled. Uh, eat it roasted. Roasted is good. And he says, eat some unleavened bread and have some bitter herbs with it. Now, all these things that they're going to have at this meal meant something. It meant something. This lamb will come to be representative of Jesus in the future. But we know also at that meal that they had that unleavened bread and they have the bitter herbs, which are all going to mark out some of the things that are going to take place later in the Exodus. When they leave so fast out of Egypt, they didn't have time for their bread to rise. So they didn't have leavened bread. They had unleavened bread. Also, the bitter herbs reminded them how bitter their slavery had been in Egypt. And so at this meal, they had these, these tangible, tasteable mementos that they could remember what God has done to save them. Now, it's a roasted lamb and God gave them a good meat. I remember I was I, I saw a post from Miss Goldie of what you could cook for Thanksgiving supper. And it had a picture of a of a roasted stuffed possum. OK, any of you all had a roasted stuffed possum for any of your holidays ever? I wrote back and said, well, well, I guess if I run out of turkey or ham, I guess possums the next. But how about squirrel? She said squirrels not as good as possum. I don't know. Uh, so any, anyway, they didn't have possum. 
They didn't have squirrel. They didn't have ham. They didn't have turkey. They had lamb. They had lamb, and it was roasted with its uh, unleavened bread and bitter herbs. It says, how are they supposed to eat it? Verse 11 says, in this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. So I don't know about you, but when I, when I come to a holiday meal, I like to settle in, don't you? You kind of want to be there for a while. You want to let things sit and just kind of enjoy the meal. I may eat fast, but I'm just going to sit there for a while. And God says, no, this meal, when you eat this meal, you need to be ready to run. So just like if you and I were going to have to go run a race, he says, have your track shoes on. Have, have, your, have your jersey on, ready to go. And that's what he's telling them. Have your belt on, your pants on. Uh, uh, tuck in your cloak, have your shoes on because you're going to eat and you're going to have to eat quick. This is the earliest, earliest record of fast food that we have. Eat it and go. The reason is because as God comes in to do this work that we're going to talk about in a moment, they don't want to stay behind. This is the moment that they have been waiting for when they can be sprung free. So you're eating this momentous meal. But in the midst of that, God in his protection is going to spring you out of prison. You don't wait around in prison. When that door flings open, you go. And so when he says, when you eat this meal, have your shoes on, ready to go. This is fast food because I'm about to do this. And this is what he's going to do in verse 12. This is why he's having him eat this meal like this. It says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So as they're eating, while they're eating this thing, there is a death angel that's coming into the land, a destroyer. And as that destroyer comes in, he's going through and every house, including beasts that has a firstborn. Those firstborn were die. But God says, I need to know who are my people. Not that he doesn't know, but it's a very symbolic sign, a momentous occasion. And so it says when he comes to the door and he sees the blood, that'll be a moment not to enter into that doorway and strike and bring death. It would be a moment to look at that blood and to pass over, to not bring death, to not bring judgment and consequence to that family. I'll pass over. In fact, that word Passover is pretty, pretty incredible because it, what it means is when I come, it not only is intending to mean Passover, but it's also a word that means to protect and defend that in that moment, God is coming. And not only is he passing over, but he's given them a way to be defended and protected against death. I don't know about you, but I, I want to get the decorations for this meal, right? <laughs> did, did somebody paint the door? Did somebody paint the door? Let's get that one right going on he's going to tell them how to eat it in the years upcoming verse 14 it says this day shall be for you a memorial day now that word there memorial means a memento it's going to be a, a memento day when you do these things to remember what has happened he says and you shall keep as a feast to the lord throughout your generations as a statute forever you shall keep it as a feast seven days you shall eat unleavened bread on the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses that's yeast. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, you shall hold an assembly. And on the seventh day, 
a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But at what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared for you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he's a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. So when God comes, he says, this is going to be momentous. He doesn't just make it one day. There is the Passover feast, but he says this is a part of a greater celebration that we're going to have because from the 14th day to the 21st day, we're going to have a whole week long holiday. We're going to call it the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We're going to remember the Passover and then how you were broken out and jailed free. And so here he sets up the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So in verse 21 says, then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, go and select the lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the doorpost with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and your sons forever. And when you come into the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. And then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. So God gives them this holiday festival, this description. Here's what you're to do. Slay the Passover lamb. And then for your generations from here on out, you're going to have this holiday. Go do it. And so they go do it. This very first time, this very first month, the Abib, they selected their lambs and then they went and they slaughtered their lambs. And he says, it's not just for this year. Every year from now on, when you and your family get together in this month, you are to select that lamb and then you are to kill your lamb. And then you're to have this week long feast of unleavened bread. So Israel, in the years to come, when your sons and your daughters say, why are we doing this? What is the meaning of this memento? We could say, well, let me tell you about your great grandpa, Moses. Let me tell you about the time we were sitting and the death angel was going to come and God protected us because we painted blood on our door. Let me tell you about how God protected and preserved us. Let me tell you how God brought us out of slavery and out of sin and brought us to himself. Let me tell you the story. Isn't that what a memento is? You look at it and you say, remember the story. The sad part about Israel is they went on and for many years they would do Passover and they remember all that God had did. But tragically, they begin to forget the story. 
And for many, many years, they didn't keep the Passover anymore. They forgot how good God was been. It should be no surprise that in the years that they stopped doing the Passover, they also begin to worship other gods. They begin to go the way of the world. They begin to look at the other nations and say, we want what they've got. We want the sales that they're getting. We want all that stuff for ourselves. And they had their own momentous occasion, oftentimes worshiping other gods and not the God, creator God. That is the temptation for us too, isn't it? That all the decorating and all the things that we're doing to surround ourselves with Christmas, it's either easy to take those things and not remember the story and the stories of faith that have come and made it meaningful. Instead, we have Christmas collections. Instead, we have Christmas feelings. But Christmas is about a Christ. It's about that story. And it's about the way that God has weaved all these other things in our life so that when we take out those ornaments and we have this thing, we say, look how good God has been. Let me tell you the story about Jesus. Well, eventually the Jews recognized that they had stopped celebrating Passover. God had said, I want you to do this every year in all your generations. And there was a king, Hezekiah, who said, we need to do Passover again. You remember Hezekiah? We studied him at one point. And he got everybody together and they were so excited. They prepared the temple and they had this amazing Passover celebration. And it was so good. They said, let's let's celebrate for another week. They were just so into God's goodness and the story of how he had rescued. And the Passover went on and on and they remember in their generations and it kept going until we are told the story of a man who also remembered Passover and wanted to share that story with men he was leading. This is what it says out of Luke chapter 22. This is Jesus going with his disciples. And this is what it says in Luke 22, verse 7. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So if you can picture this, this is way later when Jesus, a Jew, is with his Jewish disciples, and they've come into Jerusalem. Now, earlier that week on Sunday, that would have been the 10th of Abib. Remember what the 10th was? That was the day when the Passover lamb was chosen and revealed. It was brought into the community and examined. Remember that? Well, that is the very same day that Jesus got on the donkey and was ushered into Jerusalem with all the crowds saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the, the, the lamb of God, the Passover lamb was presented to the people and brought into the temple. Just like back in Exodus. And so Jesus is shown on the 10th. Now this is happening, preparing for the 14th. They're preparing for the Passover. Jesus and his disciples taking in the holiday. So on this day, they're preparing. It says verse 8. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, well, where will you have us to prepare it? He said to them, behold. When you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. So all these generations later, Jesus and his disciples are setting up that meal for Passover. Roasted lamb, 
unleavened bread, bitter herbs, goblets of wine became part of that meal where they would remember things. And so Jesus and his disciples are about to take in this meal where all those elements are mementos of what God had done to bring people out of slavery. But do you remember what happened at this Passover meal? As Jesus sat there with his disciples, as the meal had ended, it says that he took the bread and he broke it. And he passed it among them saying, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup after supper and he passed it among them and told them to drink it and remember the new covenant, the new relationship in Jesus' blood. Here, the Lamb of God was sitting at a dinner table with all these momentous items that were not only to mark the past, they were now going to show the fulfillment that was going to take place in Jesus. Because on the day of Passover, It was not a little cute, cuddly lamb that was slaughtered. It was Jesus Christ, the son of God, who gave himself and was slaughtered and bloodied. And it became not a a, a wonderful decoration that could be that could be hung up in the house. And people say, oh, that's beautiful. It became a disgusting picture of a lamb bleeding out and suffering and dying for us. And why? Because the scripture says that that blood, when we are washed in it, it is on us. And when God sees the blood of Jesus on us forgiving us and purifying us. When God sees us, God does not come and destroy us. God does not strike us down for our sin. We've been forgiven. Instead, when he sees the blood of Jesus, he passes over. That blood defends us. That blood protects us. And so that blood, even though it's a gruesome moment on the cross, we think of the bloody cross as a memento. Some of you wear it around your neck with a necklace. Some of you love to sit and just stare at this cross. I love this cross. And when we look at it, we're looking at an execution machine. But in those tragic moments where this beautiful moment, this momentous occasion upon which all of history swung. And at Christmas, we remember that God said, here's the lamb. Here's my son. Here's the gift. I am giving him to you. The Israelites were told if they don't do it this way, then cut them off. If someone brings in leaven and they're doing it the wrong way, cut them off. Why would he do that in the midst of their holiday? Have you ever put up the Christmas decorations wrong? I know I have. I'm glad in those moments I didn't get cut off. Thanks, hon. But for the Jews, what was being illustrated was the fact if if it wasn't through God giving his sacrifice, then there's no way to be included in the family of God. We would be completely cut off. We would be destroyed and would be cast out forever. And so we may not grow up with all the Passover trimmings, We grew up with a story which has added and fulfilled to it that Jesus, the Lamb of God, has come. And it'd be easy for us to trek through this time and just say, let's decorate tonight and light up the lights and candles and sing songs and do this and just hoard some feelings and collect our Christmas decorations. But God wants these things to be filled with the meaning of Jesus. The same way with the Passover, the Lamb, 
the blood, the unleavened bread, the bitter herbs. This morning, as the Lord maybe tugs at your heart, maybe, maybe you've been struggling about this year. Lord, help me to remember exactly what this is about, this Christmas, this life. I remember seeing a little advertisement on a restaurant once. The picture has amazing pies. And the words over the pies were the reason for the season. I thought that's sad. If we would make pies the reason for the season. They're delicious, don't get me wrong. But the reason is Jesus. He's everything. And if the meaning of Christmas is not filled up with Jesus, then we have nothing. If our life is not filled up with Jesus, then we have nothing. If it's not him who is covering us by his blood, then what comes when God comes to execute his wrath upon the world is utter destruction for us. Thanks be to God that when we come and say, I am a sinner, I need help and I need forgiveness, we put our lives before him. He says, I forgive you. I've covered you with the blood of Jesus Christ. And now come and belong to me and my people. It's a beautiful description. Today, as we close, maybe you just need to draw close to God and have him fill up your life with me. And remember that it's all about Jesus. Maybe you've been searching. Maybe you've been grasping after the things of the world, trying to buy your way in, trying to decorate your way in. I don't know, maybe eat your way in. Whatever it is, the temptations that we all have. And the Lord just needs to say, you know, put those things away. And maybe you need to take a fast from some of those things in Christmas that have got you going the wrong way and just come and put your eyes on Jesus again. So as we sing our closing song today, if you need to just take those few moments in silence and prayer, you're welcome to come to the front. You're welcome to pray where you're at. But draw close to Jesus and ask him to give the meaning to you in your life that he intended. And that's him.